Welcome to 12 Minutes of Dauntless Commentary on Widely Unaccepted Truth from God's Word. Hang on to your Bible. I am Elsie Breeden, and this is Audaciously Unpopular. Just a couple episodes ago, we talked about feeling wanted, how Jesus chose his disciples, and although they were ordinary men lacking education, social status, and acceptance, that he chose them specifically, and he wanted them. It was as his ministry lacked them specifically. The meaning of the word wanted is to lack or to need. And so we asked the question, do you feel like someone else's life is lacking you and your presence and what God has given you to serve in their life, to be a blessing to them? Well, today I'm going to flip the script And instead of talking about how we feel wanted, how do we make Jesus feel? Do we make him feel like he's wanted in our lives? Do we recognize the lack that we have spiritually, mentally, emotionally, practically in our life, in our daily life? Do we recognize the lack that we have when we don't have him? Do we make him a priority? Do we seek his presence, his companionship? Do we study his word? Do we, by the way we live our lives and by the way we speak, the choices that we make, do we present to him? Do we express to him that we want him in our lives? I feel like too many times we get caught up on just wanting the things that he can do for us. So we show up or we pray Or we seek him for something specific, a problem that needs to be solved, a healing that we need for us or someone else. And we want him because he can fix that and we know he can. Or we want him to show up because we just want to feel better in this moment. And so we have that emotional time and then we go about our lives the same as they were before. And so it it comes across not so much that, Jesus, we want you in our lives, but Jesus, we want what you can do for us in this moment. So again, let's go back to the disciples and look at what their walk with Jesus looked like and how they made Jesus feel wanted or needed in their lives. In, In the Gospels, in the story of the disciples and how they walked with Jesus, I don't think it says anything about them personally receiving a healing. They didn't get their lunch multiplied. They didn't get to experience being lame and healed. They watched it happen for literally everyone else. Peter watched his mother-in-law get raised from a fever, from a bed of sickness. They watched dead people get up. They watched all of these miracles. And the only thing that happened for them was a storm being still. That still, that was a, a weather thing. That wasn't a personal thing that they received for themselves, but they still followed. Everywhere Jesus went, they were there. Well, most of them were. (laughs) Most of them were there the whole time. Um, Near the end, we see that one by one, they forsook Jesus as he was going to trial. Peter denied him, but he repented and he came back stronger because his want for Jesus was bigger than his own self-condemnation. Yes, he failed, but he wanted Jesus more than he wanted to wallow in that failure. If you look at Matthew, he wanted Jesus more than what people thought about him. He was a tax collector, 
and a social outcast. But he wanted Jesus more than he cared about that. I know that people looked at him and looked at Jesus and said, Why? how did this happen? How did Jesus choose you out of all the people that he could have chosen? Why, why are you here? Who says you can be here? But Matthew didn't care. He wanted Jesus more than that. Thomas wanted him more than other people's testimonies. We always give Thomas a hard time because after the resurrection, he said, unless I put my hands in his nail scars and unless I touch his side, I will not believe. And we give Thomas a hard time for that. But he wanted him for himself. And I think we should commend him for that because he wasn't willing to take the word of someone else. He's like, I need to know him for myself. I need to experience this resurrected Savior for myself. I don't want to just take your word for it. He wasn't satisfied with what other people said that Jesus was or how other people had experienced Jesus. But he said, I want to experience him for myself. I want to put my hands in those nail prints. James and John wanted him more than their family business. If you read the Gospels, when they were called, he, they, they left their nets immediately. They were fishing with their dad. This is what they did with a, for a living. This is what they did every day. And they just dropped their nets and said, see you later, dad. And they go with Jesus. They wanted him more. Simon the Zealot was also a disciple who his, his career, his, his whole purpose was to overthrow the Romans. He trained for it. He was a part of that organization. He, that was what he, that's what he did. That's who he was. But you find him following Jesus because Jesus was worth more than his career. And so now looking at at us, is Jesus worth that to us? Is he worth following? Is he worth laying down what I want and going after him? And do I make him feel wanted? Do I let him know that he's worth more than those relationships? Is is he worth more to me? Do I express how much I want him to the point that I'm willing to sacrifice something else? There's so many things in the Bible that talk about that we have to make this choice. And I know I've talked about it on this podcast before because probably one of the most unpopular topics in in church and out of church is this thing of having to choose between. Why can't I have both? Why can't I have just a little bit of Jesus on Sunday And the world as much as I want the rest of the week. Because we can't. We have to choose. It's either an all or nothing. It's nowhere in between. In Matthew 6 verse 24. Jesus says no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You can fill anything else in that blank. You cannot serve God and relationships. You cannot serve God and your job. You cannot serve God and your career. You cannot serve God and your hobbies. You cannot serve God and literally anything else. You must choose between. And I'm not saying you can't ever have fun. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying you can't serve it. It can't become that big of a priority. It can't dominate. It cannot dictate your life. It cannot be Lord of your life. You cannot serve both. So how do we express this to Jesus? I think the first way is in prayer, in spending time with him. And I'm going to read a few of the verses from 
the the Psalms, these prayers that some of them that David wrote and other writers expressing how much they desired God. In Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. Can you say that? Can you look at your life and evaluate and say, and besides you, Jesus, if I just have you, I desire nothing on earth. There's nothing here that holds me. There's nothing here that can weigh me down because it fails in comparison to you. And you are who I want. Whom have I in heaven but you? And beside you, I desire nothing on the earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 63, starting in verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hand in your name. Express this to him and let it go from your prayers into your daily walk. Let your life become a, a worship. Let your life become a worship song, a, a service to him to say you are welcome in my life. You are welcome on my job. You are welcome in my conversations with my co-workers, with my friends, with my family. You are welcome because he wants to be there. In Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14, it says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Go after him. Make sure that your your decisions are going after him. Make sure you include him. Make sure you're studying this word. These are these are practical ways and they're not difficult. This is not some high lofty idea that you cannot attain. It's as simple as just making sure you're wanting him and letting him know that, going after him, talking to him, involving him in your daily life, in your activities, in your decisions. In Psalm 42, it says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? That's how much we should want Him and go after Him and long for Him as if we are thirsty, as if we have a, a thirst that cannot be satisfied until we get in His presence, until we stand before Him, until we go after Him, until we learn something new about Him today that we didn't know the day before. More and more and more. And here's the question. To make Him feel wanted, we have to decide, is He worth it? Is Jesus worth sacrificing? Is he worth forsaking all to go after him? Is he worth making every other love in our life look like hate compared to the love that we have for him? Is he worth it? I say he is because he is faithful and he is trustworthy and he has proven. He has proven by the cross that he wants you. He has chosen you. He has designed salvation to rescue you and bring you to God. So why not go after him? 